Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Hey, join me in standing, if you would. We're going to continue in this series, and um, we're going to start this way. Um, I want to I speak today, and, and the way that, that our series has been laid out, if you were here with us last week, we, we dealt with the first of the three enemies that Scripture tells us are at war against the purposes of God in our lives. And scripture leads us this way, that that we have these three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we dealt with the flesh last week, defining what that is. And today, we're gonna talk about what it is to be a culture of resistance against the world system. And um, this is not coincidental that we have a wonderful example of how that fight um, is aggressive against the, the thinking and the ways of followers of Jesus. This week is a, has been a uh, heavy, difficult week as you and I have watched the, the war in Israel unfold. And, and then we've watched, and I think the, the heaviest and in the, in the, some of the most difficult places for us is, has been to watch a response and protests that have erupted in our nation in justification and siding with demonic hatred. And so as the church of Jesus Christ, we are going to pray against satanic forces of hatred in our nation and worldwide. So we get to practice. We don't just get to talk about spiritual warfare, we get to participate in it. So join me as we pray. Father, this morning we we come before you as your people. And Lord, your church is defined by your word as Jews and Gentiles that are united in faith in Jesus Christ. United in belief in Jesus Christ, the the, the Messiah, the Savior. And so, Lord, we, we recognize today that the church is not a Gentile church. The church is not simply a Jewish church. It is Jews and Gentiles united in faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, the love of Jesus has transformed our lives. The love of Jesus invites us to continue transformation And the enemy hates that. He cannot replicate what you alone can do in the human heart. And so, God, we we ask today that, Lord, that that the voice of your church across this world would be be raised in opposition to the satanic hatred of anti-Semitism. Lord, the, the satanic hatred that would use Palestinian people as pawns And Lord, we ask above it all that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. Jesus the Messiah would be known. The love of Jesus would be seen. Lord, help us. Help us see. Help us live by your voice, by your word. 
as a culture of resistance to the plans of the enemy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's such a refreshing thing to be able to be with God's people. You know, to, today it's, it's one of those things, you, you have a week like this that, that's so heavy and we've been going back and forth. We have friends and partners in Israel, you, you saw a little bit there. Uh, we have missionaries in Israel that are preaching the gospel. You, you heard if you were here this, at the beginning of the year, we had Evan Levine, who le he leads the Hatifka Project in Israel. We heard from Evan this week, and, and Evan just said that the grace of Jesus is over them in the midst of, of this incredibly hard time where, where you have a nation that, that is as small as Israel is, everyone is connected to a tragedy like this. There, there's not anyone that's unaffected. There's not anyone that, that doesn't uh, have the experience of, of having to go into to their, their bomb shelters. There's not anyone that doesn't have the experience when, when you have a military that, that where everyone at 40 and under are called up as reserves and, and respond across the world to, to come and defend, uh, everyone's affected. And in the midst of that, Evan just said, hey, he wants Ocean Church to know that he, they feel our prayers, they feel our support and our love, and they feel the grace of Jesus Christ empowering them in this time. It's amazing. So, so I want to talk about, about the enemy of the world because this is something that, that can, be, can be used in broad terms, and I want to narrow it in. And, and again, like many of the things that, that we see, and we, we, we get in these times where we wonder, how do we recognize the voices of darkness? How do we recognize these places where voices around the world are speaking, and they're, they're not speaking from a redeemed place of the love of Jesus Christ? How do we recognize that? It's very simple. When you live in the truth and you love the truth, you will recognize a lie. And so we're going to talk about the truth. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 1. You know what I did? I prayed, and I never read our scripture when I prayed, didn't I? Well, stay seated. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the, the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So Paul gives us three enemies. This, this is our foundational scripture for looking and, and recognizing three enemies of our soul, the world, the flesh, the devil. He says that there are the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and then as we talked about last week and emphasized the cravings of our flesh. So we see the, these, three, these three, enemies, the, the three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. Uh, I defined them this way, and using the words of Jesus, Jesus defined the devil as the father of lies. He says that, that nothing that is truth comes out of him, that he exists to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so we, we, we know the, the devil and everything that he he. Uh, influences is built and um, comes from a place of a lie. And then we talked about the flesh. We defined the flesh as the inner desires, the sin nature that every single one of us have at war within ourselves. 
that are in line, these inner desires that are in line with, with the lives of the enemy. Um, and then today, we're going we're gonna to focus on the world. Now, the world, I define it this way, the culture that normalizes the behavior in line with those lies. A, 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 a system of thinking set up by, by the enemy, pressed by the enemy, and, and, and there, there's so much power in culture. You realize that culture works when you're not working? You, you get a culture in place, and, and culture ha, has this incredible effect that, that doesn't require all of this, this uh, hands-on pressure. When you get culture going, for good and for bad, it works when you're not working. You see this all the time, and, and you'll have coaches that come in and take over a sports team. And, and they'll talk about having a losing culture and wanting to turn it from a losing culture to a winning culture. And, and, and so they go at this in, in affecting the, 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 the little ways that their team thinks to, to bring a culture that thinks in a way that's going to lead towards winning and opposite of, of what has existed. And so uh, the world is, is the culture that, that is in line with the, the lives of the enemy. Now, th this word that we find here in Ephesians 2, it's a Greek word, cosmos. And, and similar to, to the English word ball, now you and I can say uh, the, the English word ball, it, it doesn't just have one meaning, does it? You have the object, a ball. You have uh, a ball that is a, a formal attire dance time that, that all my daughters want to be a part of. And then you have this expression, have a ball. And so you see, even with the English word ball, there are three, three different ways that it is used. And it's very similar in scripture with the word cosmos. And this Greek word to define that, that, that Paul uses to talk about the world. And so let's look at these three ways that it's used. So it's used in scripture, talking about the physical planet, Romans 1.20 says, ever since the world was created, the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so, so Paul uses the, the same word, but he uses it in this way, saying, hey, this, I'm talking about planet earth. I'm talking about the creation of God. That, that God created in a way that the human heart would see and have awe and wonder whether you are at the cliffs of Moor in Ireland or, or the Sahara Desert or, or at a Florida beach that your heart would go, oh, God, you're amazing. That there's something about creation that, that tells the human heart that there is a creator who loves them. And so Paul uses it that way. The second way that we see it is a, a verse that we all uh, are familiar with. The majority of us are familiar with in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Now, he's not talking about the physical planet there. Same Greek word, but, but he's not talking about the planet. Jesus is referring to all of humanity. And so you have that. And then you have this, this place that, that we read in Ephesians 2. And, and this is the place that, that, that I want to lean in on because obviously Paul is not talking about the planet being our enemy. Obviously, he is not talking about people being our enemy. 
He says later that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 tells us that this is not a fight of physical against physical. And even in the situation that we see this week, when you, when you look and you, you get and go like, hey, terrorists cannot be reasoned with rationally. There is a demonic culture and way of thinking that is ingrained in them that can only be removed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And that is, that's the reality. So this isn't a matter of like, if we can rationally get down to it. No, no, this is a spiritual battle. This is a, a spiritual war that we are in. So culture is the system of thinking that the enemy has put in place and worked to keep in place that normalizes the behavior of his lies. Rocky says it this way. I stopped thinking the way other people think a long time ago. You got to think like you think. <laughs> He's a deep well, that Rocky Balboa. <laughs> uh, John chapter 17. Jesus is talking about this system of thinking, and he says it this way. I have given them, talking about you and I, disciples, followers of Jesus, I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Think about those words. Jesus Christ talking about you and I, his followers, as he is praying for us to the Father, he is saying, they don't belong to the system of this world under the influence of the enemy, slaves to sin, normalizing behavior of sin. They don't belong to that any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So three things about the world that, that I want us to, to lean in on. Now, let, me, let me tell you this. I love how Dallas Willard uh, defines the world. Dallas Willard defines the world as this. Our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. So in, in that, that line, I want to I put three things in front of us today. Number one, we're not of this world. We are not, and we get in these moments and, and there's this continual place that, that I want you to be encouraged by because sometimes we get in it and, it and it's discouraging. We, we get in these places where it's like the way of the world's thinking pushes and, and we get these things like, man, is it, am I not loving because I'm, I'm against abortion? Am I not loving because... Uh, I see what the word of God says as far as marriage between a man and a woman. Does that mean I'm, and you can feel this oppressive, uh, uh, this pressure and resistance against you. And this is what I want to do. I want to turn it on its head because what that pressure and resistance should tell you is that you are a citizen of heaven. Because those that are not a citizen of heaven don't feel that pressure. They, they live in the world and it's like, okay, well, I guess that's what we do. 
Oh, I mean, that's what CNN's telling me to do. So I guess that's what we do. They don't feel the pressure. And I want our hearts encouraged today. If you feel the pressure, that means you're in the fight. That means you are a citizen of heaven, that your heart has been touched by the love of Jesus. I would be worried and concerned if you're just going willy-nilly through the life and going, hey, everything's great. Like, okay, this is what I believe because this is what I'm told to believe. The fact that, that you recognize resistance and there's something in your heart, and I'm not just talking about, you know, just light little things. I'm talking about to the core of who you are going, I'm not okay. I'm not okay that this is being normalized. I'm not okay that all of a sudden it's normalized to mutilate your body because today you don't feel like a girl or you don't feel like a boy. Like, this resistance in us, I want you to recognize that God has breathed his life into you and it should tell you today that you are a citizen of heaven. You have been removed from the system of thinking in this world and you have been given, not a, you've been, it, the heart of stone has been removed from you and you've been given a heart of flesh. Soft, pliable. Philippians 3.20 says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as Savior. So there, there's this longing, there's this knowing in the inside of our hearts to the depths of who we are. It's not right. It's not okay. And, and what, it, what it is to, to be sanctified by the Spirit of God is to express the reality that what I see and the pressure that I feel is not okay, but I express my resistance without hatred, and I express my resistance with the power of the love of Jesus. And so... That is the place that we're asking God to meet us and transform us is so that when we feel this resistance, what comes out of us is grace and truth. You know, John chapter 1 says this. John says these words that Jesus came with grace and truth. There's a saying that goes with that, that truth without grace is mean and grace without truth is meaningless. But grace and truth, the love of Jesus that compels you to come and die to who you are and be transformed by his power. Grace and truth. Second thing that, that we have to know that, that in this time of, of this world system, this world's way of thinking, that it does not happen. It does not change without a fight. It's not without a fight. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15 says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I want to talk about one of the, the things to, today that, that I see even this week, and, and, and hear me clearly, I have no ambition to be internet famous. 
I have no ambition to be a spokesperson. I have a desire to fulfill obedience to what it is to be the pastor of Ocean Church. And I want you to know, Ocean Church, as long as God graces my life to lead this church, Ocean Church will be a place that stands up for the Jewish people, that loves and supports. So, so I, don't, I don't take weekends and weeks like we've seen. It, it, it tears uh, at my heart in ways that, that I, I never thought that I would see in our country a celebration of terror and support of that and, and, and watching what's happening. And I think the, the thing that's been hardest to see in, in uh, college students, I want to address you because the institutions that, that you are at are not trustworthy in these places. And, and there's things that are said that to, to us, and they're said across the board, and we say, you, you see these things online, and you, you hear people say, do your research. And, and I want to raise the standard, because you can do research, and you can go online, and you can find things that are absolute lies. And then we get to this place of how do we know what is truth? We know what is truth by, by following what the Word of God says and by living by the Word of God. And so, so seeing what, what the, you know, some of the protests and things that happen across our nation, specifically at universities, it, it, it char I want to charge you to do this, to go and as a follower of Jesus, dig into the Word of God. You know, one of the saddest things that's happened in the church and uh, in, in 300, I believe it was 331 uh, AD. So, so the, the church has exploded. Church is growing. And it's interesting, the, church, the first church councils were really about uh, how do we, we assimilate these Gentiles that are being saved? What do we do? It's so interesting that, that that like scripture records, Acts 15 records these times of the church meeting together and church leaders going, hey, the gospel is going all over the Gentile world. And how do we, how do we uh, empower Gentiles to live as followers of Jesus without putting the demands on them to live according to, to Jewish tradition? Church leaders recognizing the Gentiles were not called to, to, to live and, and in, in salvation in Jesus Christ, that there was a freedom that Gentiles didn't, they, they weren't to go back to the old way of living by the law, but freedom in Christ. And so they're meeting about this and they're talking about this. You fast forward to, to 331 and, and a church leader named Christendom writes about his frustration of persecution from Jewish voices and the resistance that he felt from Jewish people receiving Jesus as Messiah. And he coins the, this, this term, uh, deicide, and he begins to attach the, 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 the death of Jesus to the Jewish people. And, and here's the only way that, that that is correct. It was a Jewish Messiah who laid down his life. That's the only way that it's correct. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down. 
And so it began there, and then, and then this, this spirit this of hatred and anti-Semitism began to grow, even within the church. And you get to, to 10 hundred, early in, in that time period, the Crusades start. And the Crusades that, that had this mission to free the Holy Land or free Israel, free Jerusalem from Muslim rule, uh, had this side mission where, where Jewish people were killed and murdered. And so, so the, the, the plans of the enemy, the plans that are rooted in hatred, the plans that you can track all the way back. And, and what I want you to see is that, that I think sometimes we, we see and we, we view the systems of this world, we view our flesh and we view sin in general as like this place that's almost like a vending machine. Like it's there and if I want to access it, I don't want, I mean, sometimes I do and I'll, I, I get my stuff out of the vending machine, but, but sometimes I do good. Sin is not a vending machine. It is the aggressor that is after destruction for you and I. If you go all the way back, and, and, and here's where, where this place of hatred begins. You know, the first murder that we see in Scripture, as two, two brothers, Cain and Abel, and you see that, that, that Cain and Abel are both given a, a directive by God of worship. This is how, what it is to worship me. Cain disobeys. This is Genesis chapter 4. You can go back and, and look into this. Cain, Cain says that in, in the human heart, he says, I am going to worship you the way that I want to worship you. You know what that fits under? That fits under every other category of, of religion or anything in that sort today. Anything that, that, that says, because this is, the reality is, is there, all religions are not different ways to the same God. Allah is not the same God that you and I worship. And so we're, we're not going to live in this utopian idea that it's all, you know, all cultures have wonderful things to, to add. No, no, all cultures don't, don't have the same value. All people have the same value. And so Cain, Cain comes to God and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you the way that I want to worship you. And God's response to him is so interesting. God says, Cain, why are you angry? I, I, I told you I wasn't going to... Accept that worship. That's not worship to me. It's not worship when you're in charge. And Cain's angry, and God gives him this warning. And when he doesn't respond, hatred and murder come out of this place. But God says, Cain, sin lies at your door, crouching with its desire to overcome you. So the, the, the first description that we see, and so how, how we look at this fight, not in a place of fear, but just in a place of understanding. This is not a place of passivity that, that I can dip into and I got to resist that urge. We need to understand that, that the enemy of our soul, the world, the flesh, the devil, are aggressors in this fight. And what God does is he, he frees us from any fear of that. And then he says, no, you, you are going to overcome Knowing that I have overcome. 
So their aggression, it does not have a, a, a final say on who wins in this war. And so, so I see this, this, you know, this, this week. And, and so what I want to direct you to, I want to direct you to Scripture. There are two, two theologies, two, two wrong doctrines that have been taught in, in, in promoting anti-Semitism. And this, this went all the way through uh, to, to, you know, from the, from the Crusades. You see Martin Luther. Martin Luther, at the beginning of his life, at the time of the Reformation, wrote beautiful, wonderful things filled with the love of God for the Jewish people. At the end of his life, when he was a shell of the man that he was, he, he had health issues, his mental capabilities were, were severely deteriorated, and, and he was bitter and angry. He had been persecuted, and in that place, he began to write. And what he wrote out of frustration and anger towards the Jewish people were the words that Hitler used in his speeches. And so this, this spirit of hatred ha has been there. And so, so you and I, we, what we have to do, so the, the, two, the two wrong doctrines that I just want to highlight today, one is called replacement theology, that the church has replaced the Jewish people. And the problem with that, so, so both of these theologies are, 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 are wrong doctrine, wrong theologies. One is replacement theology, the other is fulfillment theology, that Jesus is the fulfillment and so that, that there are no longer the, the, the promises of God that he made to, to the Jewish people, even regarding the land of Israel, that all of that is ended and fulfilled in Jesus, except Scripture tells us otherwise. Romans chapter 11, verse 28. So here, here's the, the place when, when you hear, uh, do your research. This is where, as followers of Jesus, we do our research. 11, Romans 11, verse 28, tells us that, that God has not forgotten his promises for his firstborn. The book of Romans in general says this over and over. In Romans 9, Paul says these words, and I was so excited about this when I, when I was in seminary and was studying this. Uh, it's the closest that we get to cussing in Scripture. Paul poses the question and he says this, has God cast away his people? And then his response, we translate it nicely in the English, in the English version, says certainly not. But he goes even farther than that. He goes and he, he just says one of those words in Greek that, you know, the words that you say when your kids listen and they go like, is that legal now? Can we say that? He says, certainly not. No, he has not cast away his people. Israel was not the firstborn of God simply to get us to Jesus and then to be discarded. That would be inconsistent with the good father that we know who makes eternal promises to you and I and to the Jewish people that he does not let go. And so we get it, we get in the midst of this, and when you see the, these, these, these things rise up, and then listen, and then here's the other thing, because there's another ditch that we can go to. The other ditch is that, that we blindly would agree with every decision that political Israel makes. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying you and I have to recognize that there is a system of thinking in this world that tries to hold the Jewish people to a different standard than everyone else. I say, Josh, how do I wrestle with that? This is how you wrestle with this. Two places that, that, that I want to end. One is called the Epistle of Dianetus. The Epistle of Dianetus is, is simply a, a writing of a new believer who is observing a Jewish and Gentile church exploding in a Roman world. In a world who, who the, the, where the system of thinking was opposite of what it was to be a follower of Jesus. And this is what I mean by being on the offensive and, 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 and not going and saying, well, I gotta make sure of this, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I understand all of this fully, and, and this is what I mean by living in the truth. Listen to what Dianetus says, and he writes about what makes followers of Jesus stand out. It says, for the Christians are distinguished from other men, neither by country nor language, nor the customs that they observe. For they neither inhibit cities of their own, nor employ a peculiar form of speech, nor lead a life which is marked out by any singularity. The course of conduct which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or deliberation of inquisitive men, nor do they, like some, proclaim themselves the advocates of merely human doctrines. But inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according to the lot of each of them, has determined and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, they display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. Now, now listen to, to the values that, that this man that was watching followers of Jesus live in a culture that was far from the heart of God. This is what stood out to him. They marry as do all. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. You see, there's, there's three, three values, three places of transformation that the heart of God has transformed us in. And you see them in this. This is our resistance to the system of the world. As followers of Jesus, we value life. We value life. Dianetus said, hey, th there's something different about the way that they treat their children. There, there's something different about the way that they, they value life when, when everyone around was treating and, and, and uh, using the lives around them as pawns. That followers of Jesus were separated by the way that they valued human life. And so they value human life. Number two, he said they, they, they have a common table. What does that mean? That means that they were radically generous. That means that they, they viewed what they had as not their own, but as a, that they were a conduit for the blessing of God. They were a conduit to share in what they had. That their, their home would be open to those that were in need. And so value of human life 
radically generous. And then this last thing that he says, have a common table, but not a common bed. Clear in sexual purity. What does resistance to the world look like? It looks like this. It looks like speaking up and speaking value to human life according to the word of God. It looks like being radically generous and it looks like sexual purity. He finishes and he finishes the, the, the letter this way. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at, at the same time surpass the law by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and, and yet restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet their very dishonor, in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of and yet they are justified. They are reviled and yet they bless. When they are insulted and repay, they are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good and yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened to life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. To sum up all in one word, one word what the soul is in the body, that are Christians in the world. The soul is dispersed through all the members of the body and Christians are scattered through all the cities of the world. The soul dwells in the body yet is not of the body and Christians dwell in the world yet are not of this world. This is you and I. John 16, Jesus says these words emphasizing his victory. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome. Where do we have victory in the, the system of thinking that, that would try to pressure and move us beyond what it is to live as a follower of Jesus? By living in the truth, living and walking with Jesus. Where do we go in, in, in times where, where all these voices are saying different things and our hearts go, what, what is truth? We go to the source of truth and we live with the source of truth. Jesus, the Messiah. That he wants to speak to us today. He wants to touch our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me? As we do each week, I just want to just put this in front of you. What is the, the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I think the first place that the heart of God is broken for is for those that are not in the family of God and are without peace in the midst of, of everything that, that happens in the world around us. And I want every ear to hear and to know that there is one place that is the rock that our lives can be built on, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the unshakable truth that is Jesus Christ. I want to pray over us and just that that we would respond to God's voice and what he's saying to us today. That response may look like a step of, of relinquishment of control, saying, Jesus, I've led my life. I don't want to lead my life anymore. I ask you, I want my life built on you. It may look like places that, that you haven't known how to, how to view the Jewish people. You haven't known why they matter. They ha- you haven't known. Why, why does it matter that, that we, we talk about these things? The Lord may be activating you, or let me say it very plainly, God is activating. He's looking for those that will pray in intercession for his firstborn, that they would know the love of Jesus, the Messiah. There's this transformative place when we open our heart to God. And so, Lord, today we do that. We simply open our hearts to you. We ask that that we would be transformed by the truth of your word. God, thank you that you overcome the world. You overcome the system, the way of thinking that that fights against your purposes in this earth. And Lord, thank you that you free us from fear. And so we don't have to be afraid today. God, I ask you to activate us. God, that we would would step into who you've called us to be, not not back and, and waiting in passivity, but Lord, stepping as the aggressor, spiritually fighting the fight that you've called us to. Lord, would you separate your people? Would you separate us by the way that we value life? Lord, would you separate us by the way that, that, that we're generous and the way that we give and that we have an open table? And would you separate us by the way that you purify our lives? We worship you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.